You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholes and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 21 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds. And I'm delighted to join on the line the editor of the Toolstation Western League bulletin, Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing doing well, thanks. I think a little bit a little bit better than yourself. I hope you hope you're holding up over the uh, the festive period because it's on you're, you're a little bit on the uh, little bit under the weather. I I am, I am under the weather. I I've I, you are. I mean, I I regular listeners will know that you do all the heavy lifting on this show anyway. <laughs> but um, that's not true. <laughs> uh, you really are going to do it um, today because I am abs. I am. I have not felt this ill in a long time. So, <laughs> listeners, just bear with me. I think I, you, you will be without my usual energy, and which is a shame because, of course, it's it's a festive podcast and we want you to enjoy your festivity. So I'm going to power through. I think this is, um, I'm going to, you know, this is the tool station Western League spirit, isn't it? You know, even when players are not at 100%, you expect them to still go out there and do it on the pitch, particularly in some of our big uh, you know, festive derbies, and that's exactly what I'm. That's exactly what I'm going to do. We have got a fantastic episode of the podcast lined up for you. Um, we're speaking to Andy Llewellyn, the manager of Bridgewater United. We're also speaking to an old um, favourite of the podcast, uh, Ray Johnson, the manager of Radstock Town. Love him or loathe him, everybody wants to know what he's got to say, and he's at, he's as outspoken as ever. Um, so my thanks to both of those guests for making this a, a special um, festive podcast. Um, it will become apparent as we um, go through our first um, our Premier Division fixtures why I'm partly in the terrible state that I am <laughs> at the moment. But um, uh, we are going to kick off this um, week's podcast by looking at the game between Bridgewater United and Street, a Somerset derby that took place on um, the 15th of December in front of a huge crowd. Over 400 people saw this game and certainly the home fans will have gone home happy, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. We love a, love a bit of Friday night football, don't we? And that was, uh, yeah, as did the uh, 414 in attendance. Uh, a 2-0 win for, for Bridgewater. And uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a Derby Day victory over, over Street. So good stuff from them. Uh, Jack Fawn, uh, the leading scorer in the division. He was... Uh, he was um, uh, helping spearhead Bridgewater's uh, attack again. Uh, he ended a pretty quiet run for himself over recent weeks uh, with a big goal, and uh, yeah, that he was a, a main part in the, in their victory on on Saturday on Friday night. So another good win um, for Bridgewater United against a side that are notoriously difficult to beat. And I started my interview with the new Bridgewater United boss Andy Llewellyn, and by asking him if he was happy with that performance. Yeah, so we always know Street's going to be a difficult game for us. But we've been lucky this season. I think we've been three times, once in the FA Cup, twice in the league. And we've had three good victories. So um, as it proves this season, one of our um, one of our luckier teams to play. But no, a lot of spe- uh, spec for Street. They give a lot of teams um, problems. I'm hoping like after Christmas, the teams who are challenging with us at the top, once we, um, when Street plays them, they help us out to us a favour. I mean, at this stage of the season, I know it's all about the result, but were you happy with the performance as well? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, the five games I took over, our performance has got better every game. And I and I'm Tuesday, uh, Friday night's game, H3, we were very professional. We got the two goals in about two minutes just for half time. And basically, second half, we just done the game very professionally. Our gamesmanship was very good. And to be honest with you, Street never really liked scoring. Even though Street, their approach play is very good, uh, chances-wise, they didn't have a lot of chances. And our keeper had a very quiet second half. So, um, yeah, so our performance-wise, it was always nice. Obviously, the three points are very important. But 
to get the three points and a good performance is even better. And since you took over, um, you mentioned those five games, you're undefeated as well, so you must be pleased with that. Yeah, and obviously, a lot of pre- obviously everyone knows what's happened at Bridgewater. Like, um, there was a lot of pressure at the start, you know. A few players left. I put a young lad in goal, Isaac was 16, Isaac Finch, been a revelation. And other players have um, <clears throat> they've all chipped in, done their bit. And be honest with you, at the moment, the players are playing to the best of their ability. And also, we've got a really small squad, so we've got to make sure we look after each other. So, um, it's just going to be interesting after Christmas. Hopefully, we don't get too many injuries kick in because at the moment, obviously, with a small squad. But their performances, their attitude and training has been very impressive and very good. So, um, hopefully, we can keep this going. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the sort of difficult circumstances that have been going on around the club off the pitch since you took over. But on it, what impact has that negativity had on your job trying to galvanise this team? Um, particularly with, you know, I mean, you know, there's been some high profile sort of comings and goings. I mean, it can't have made your job any easier, can it? No, well, I'm you at the start. It's like, I'm um, thinking, what have you let yourself in for here? But um, Ian Davis, the owner of the club, he's got his... Um, He's got his plans for the future. He knows what he wants. You know, he's very ambitious. He wants, um, obviously, he wants promotion this year. Got things happening in the, uh, the ground, new stand being built. Hopefully, this is all going ahead. So there's a lot of things going off off the pitch, but obviously, what matters is on the pitch at the moment. You know, and like um, Dave Pierce, obviously, everyone like Dave Pierce. He's been here a long time. All the fans, um, supporters, have all gone well with him. You know, so uh, it was very hard. You're just, you're just thinking, like, you know, if you lose your first game or second game, this could be very but thankfully, we won the first game, then the second game. Obviously, he's five out of five now, so that, that does well. Obviously, it helps a massive lot. So um, now we're just looking. We're still in the still in the three cups, and also the FA Vars. We got a very tough game at Fordham in a couple of weeks' time. But the league, we're sitting pretty in third place, and so it's going to be very interesting. Um, Christmas period, rest of the season. Obviously, you, you mentioned the owners' ambitions um, for the season, and you know, ever since I've been um, covering Bridgewater United, I've always felt you're an ambitious club looking to progress back into the Southern League. Where I think a club of your size, you know, rightly considers that it it belongs. Um, but um, I mean, you've managed to steady the ship since you took over, but it's still a monumental task for you in the circumstances that you've inherited to be actually targeting promotion this season. I, I guess perhaps does the playoffs make it easier for you uh, in this in your, in this your first season or would you, you know, genuinely do you think you can be title contenders? Yeah, the owner, the owner, the owner's made it clear now that he's, um, he said now he'd be able to have players leaving. You know, we're, we're lucky that um, we have not faded away, but faded away more, but my personally, myself, the way, the way we're playing at the moment, I still think top spot is um, it's not, that's what I'm aiming for and what the players are aiming for. You know, obviously, if you do go up for the playoffs, everyone says it's the best way to go up. But personally, I'd rather just uh, win the league and do it that way. But Halston, Falmouth, Barstable, um, Cleveland Town, you know, all the Bucklands that we got on, um, on Saturday, all these teams are there. You know, they all fancy their chances. They're all good clubs. So, um, but off the pitch, Ian's, um, he's got his plans. And like you said before, Bridgewater are a very ambitious club. They get good crowds. Our off-the-field stability the last couple of years haven't been very really good at all. You know, we've um, were we ready to go up financially? I don't think we were. So Ian's come in now. He's made he's made us um, he's doing things behind the scenes now, which people don't see. And if he hadn't come in, you know, would there be a Bridgewater United now? Because um, there's a lot of things happening behind the ground, behind the pitch, behind the scenes last season. So he's come in, he's steadied that ship, even though he's not getting much praise for that. Last year, I'm studying it on the pitch, so hopefully together we can get the club where we, um, where we belong back in the Southern League. Well, let's talk about the football again. Buckland, you just mentioned that, at home on Saturday. One of the most you know, established and ambitious teams in the Premier Division. 
you know, it's going to be a, a, a challenge, but I guess, you know, it, it can only give you and your players more confidence if you're able to take on and win the best teams in the Western League. Yeah, that's right. Buckland's always a very difficult game for us. Uh, they're always there, thereabouts. They have good FA Vars runs. So um, we know it's going to be a very difficult game on um, on um, Saturday. But to be honest with you, every team we're playing us at the moment, they're looking at their cup finals. Obviously, they get their best crowds. You know, we take good support away with us. We're getting good crowds at home. So in the moment, I think we're sort of like the team everyone wants to beat at the moment. And like when teams do beat us, like the other week, 12 point beat us down there. And you see their celebrations after the game. It's just how much it means to these clubs. So we got to make sure we go out and do our bit on the bit, on the pitch, which we're doing at the moment. You know, we got a very tough Christmas period. We got them who look at Derby, get at Wellington on on Boxing Day, then Cleveland Town home, then we go to Falmouth and Farnham. So every game now is like it's big, you know. So, but the more games we go and beat, and the more confident we we, uh, we will be. And hopefully, we'll be there or thereabouts end of the season. Yeah, I was going to mention that Wellington game because, of course, you know, historically you've been at polar opposite ends of the table. But in all the seasons I've been covering Western League football, Wellington do seem to have the ability to pull a result out of the bag against Bridgewater. Um, and this season, they look like a stronger outfit. They're in better form. So, I mean, you know, there's no point getting three points against Buckland if you can't back it up against Wellington. And also, Wellington, I know they're struggling a bit this season, but they, um, they'll be looking forward to Boxing Day because that's when you get your, um, as you say, results which go against the form. You know, and Wellington, be looking, they'll be looking for a big crowd on Tuesday. You know, and we'll take a few down as well. So it should be a proper Christmas game. So um, any other part, any other part of the season, you know, you think what well, league position wise, we'd be in a good position here. But it's Boxing Day, it's Christmas, local derby. It's going to be wet probably as well. So anything could happen. But that's the beauty of football. You never know, especially in the Westerly. Except for Millbrook, and obviously struggling a bit this year. Other than that, on their day, anyone could beat um, anyone could beat um, each other on their day in that league. And you know? that's good for the for the league itself. The um the other fixture you mentioned was the Farnham Town game and um I mean Farnham Town um have got something of a reputation uh, at our level of the game. I think they're certainly one of those sides that fancies themselves to be playing higher. Um and one of the teams I think that are fancied by the bookmakers for the for the tournament. So in some respects it could it, you could have you you certainly could have had an easier tie, but I, I, there's something of the siege mentality coming through in this interview, Andy, and I've got a feeling that actually going there as underdogs is going to suit you on the day. Yeah, we be honest with you, when the draw come out, when the draw come out, I thought the worst draw we could have here is far them away, and when I saw it, I just couldn't believe it. But again, if you want to do well in these competitions, after teams you got beat, you know, like um, they're all they're all teams that are level level five, so um. We go there full of confidence. Again, if we can get the results over Christmas as well, it's going to be a great game to get good crowds down there. I think our boys went there a few years ago. They won 3-2 down there, so they remember that anyway. But um, no forum got, um, I've looked a few of their games. They've got um, great aspirations themselves. They want to go up. They're hot favourites to win the cup. But like last year, we lost to Ascot last year in the, in the FA Vars, and they went on there with a goal late in the game. We had chances to win that game, and they went on to win the FA Vars at Wembley. So it's a massive prize. Keep telling the boys that, especially this level, don't happen very often. So we go there full of confidence and we give it our best. Now, one uh, question I always ask managers, the first time I get to interview them on the podcast is, um, can you tell us a, a, bit, a bit about your footballing background? So, Andy, can you tell me about your footballing journey to the Bridgewater United dugout? Yeah, well, obviously, um, <clears throat> I left school at 16 and I joined Bristol City's apprentice then. Obviously, in them days, as apprentices. And... Um, Ended up, I ended up staying there for 12 years, played nearly 400 games at Bristol City. So, um, obviously, they're my number one club. Went back down there last weekend to watch the game. Always enjoyed going back there. 
you know, played at Wembley twice for Bristol City and also we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup 1-0 away in 1994. So that's why I keep saying to our boys, you know, it's nice going there as underdogs, and we would do that for them, you know. So I had a great career. I finished my career then with um, Yilvertown and Hereford, and I went non-league then. I've done the non-league circuit. I enjoyed the Western League now for a few years, even though I was with Bristol St. John's and Cleveland United. So um, the Western League's always had a soft spot for me. I enjoyed the camaraderie, enjoyed the hospitality, the people, supporters. I think it's a great league. You now, um, <clears throat> obviously, my aim now this season is to get um, Bridgewater out of the Western League and get him into the Southern League. And one final question, um, it is the festive season, so have you asked <laughs> Santa Claus for anything particularly in your Christmas stocking? Um, nothing in particular, no, but I just, to be honest with you, we've got Christmas period, luckily our owner's away at the moment, so I promised him 12 points out of 12 for um, Christmas. We got the first three last week, we've got three more tough games next week. If we can get 12 points out of 12 for that would be a perfect Christmas present for me. Well, we'll have to see what he can do. I think you you might have stood more chance if you'd asked for Brute or Old Spice or some pants or something. But um... you're, showing your, you're showing your age now, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. It's been um, great to get you on the podcast and I look forward to catching up right. with you towards the end of the season. Uh, thank you. Cheers, um. bye-bye. Move forward 24 hours to Saturday, the 16th of December. We had an unresolved FA Vars third round game. Twice, Wales City um, tried to get the game on down at Hamworthy Recreation. Well, the game got reversed and um, unfortunately, Wells couldn't overcome their Dorset opponents. They went down by two goals to one. So they've left um, that competition. But um, we'll focus our coverage on the Premier Division games. Um, kicking off at Buckland Athletic and a strong win over Oldland Abertonians. Yeah, really good stuff uh, from the home side here. A 3-1 victory, and uh, they scored pretty early on, breaking the deadlock uh, after about 15 minutes through uh, Jared Lewington. He's their, their top scorer this, team, uh, this term. Another 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 forward uh, who's, uh, who's banging form. Uh, and then Ryan Bush took home a penalty uh, after he himself had been, been fouled in the box to, to make it 2-0. Uh, the Abbots did hit back midway through the second half, and this was after they'd been reduced to 10 men, so a good... Uh, a good uh, good performance from them to to uh, attempt to fight back, but obviously that extra man uh, paid off in the end, and it was uh, Lewington who scored again uh, pretty soon after the Abbots had got back into the game, actually. So uh, re- restoring the two-goal advantage, and that was uh, that was how it remained. So a 3-1 win for Buckland at home to Oldland. Now, moving on to um, Falmouth Town. They were at home against Saltash United, and if you look at the league table, there was only ever going to be one winner, and indeed one winner there was. But it was a closer run affair, I think, than many fans would have expected. Yeah, it really was, and uh, yeah, they were um, they were pegged back at one stage, so uh, forced to forced to battle hard for for the three points. But the uh, the informed Falmouth uh, did did hang on and uh, claimed the two and win at home to Saltash. Uh, and it was a couple of uh, recent signings uh, who who made the difference, especially in in terms of the goals. Uh, Reuben Wilson putting them putting them one up. He's recently joined. Uh, but uh, as I say, they were pegged back right at the start of the second half, and that was Jake Curtis leveling for for Saltash. Uh, made it one apiece, and uh, yeah, that was a pretty pretty good position for them to be uh, being going into the second half. But it was Falmouth who who managed to find that that killer goal, uh, the third, uh, and that uh, came from Oscar Massey. Uh, as I say, another recent addition uh, joined on on Friday, and uh, yeah, among the goals on Saturday afternoon. So perfect uh, perfect start for him, and I think he's recently been at Barnstable. So a good uh, good um, yeah, as I say, brilliant start for for Massey and a two one win for Falmouth over Saltash. Now, um, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas, of course, without a good horror film. 
And if you're a um, if you're a Welton Rovers fan, then um, the Helston Rover, uh, the Helston Athletic highlights are certainly something you won't be wanting to watch after until after the watershed. And I would strongly recommend you do it um, under the covers. But they are available on YouTube from Piran Films, and we'll say no more about that. We'll move on though to the game that I was at, Nowsy and Tickenham against Ilfracombe Town, and I find it difficult to believe Tom that this wasn't the game of the day. Well, I think that was how I coined it in the in the bulletin. In fact, so yeah, I think you you might have been bang on there. And uh, yeah, very topsy turvy encounter, and it ended ended three apiece. So a bit of a thriller. So I'm yeah pretty jealous that you were you were there to take that one in. And it was Nailsy who actually started this one better, wasn't it? They went two up. Uh, Luke Osgood and Lloyd Mills putting them putting them in in command uh, before Ilfraku yeah managed to to fight their way back into it, and they they ended the first half well on top. Uh, made it two two at the interval, and that was goals from Blake Shapeland and Dan Wilson. Uh, and it was then uh, the away side who actually. Um, moved ahead, Jack Magarotto, uh, make it 3-2, uh, but Mills scored his second and uh, grabbed Nelsie's first draw of the entire season. So, yeah, three-all draw for you to enjoy down there. Yeah, I'm not going to add anything to that, um, uh-huh. despite the fact that um, it, was a, it was a thoroughly entertaining game. For some of the game, at least, my attention was um, taken by doing a bucket collection for Mind, um, which the supporters at the um, of both clubs supported um, very generously as they had done the week before when we did um, the game between Middlezoy and Portishead but a very special mention to Nowsy and Tickenham um, because of the way that they um, embraced um, this particular opportunity they made mind in Somerset the uh, the match day sponsor um, there was publicity all around um, the club and there was uh, a variety of different ways that s- supporters could donate, including um, special touch payment systems at the bar and in the tea hut. Um, uh, to go to that length meant a huge amount to me. I think we've raised a huge amount of money. I'm waiting for Victoria at um, Mind in Somerset to come back and tell us. When she does, I'll make sure that everybody knows. Um, but it was a, it was an extraordinary effort. Ilfracombe, of course, are a side where we did a bucket collection in February of this year, and they, of course, played their part very generously in supporting that initiative. Um, but it was a great day. So a very special thanks to Rob Gregory, the chairman of Nowsey and Tickenham, and his committee, the, the people who supported us on the day, Paul Balshaw, Jamie Smith, John Murray, Gary Ricketts, Alan Smith, and Alex Parsons. And many more, I have to say. So many lovely people I spoke to at the game. If you're on social media and you follow Footy Watch, and frankly, who in the Tool Station Western League, in fact, who in non-league football doesn't follow Stoner on Footy Watch? He was there. We had a lovely chat with him. He took some very nice pictures of myself and Victoria. And, of course, his excellent um, commentary, his online commentary of the game, um, will only add to what um, Tom has given you. But I just wanted to um, thank everybody at Nows in Tickenham. It was well worth the sleepless nights and horrendous amount of coughing that I've had to um, um, endure afterwards. And I only hope I haven't passed whatever it is I've got to everybody there. And if I have, I'm terribly sorry if it ruins your Christmas. Um, probably should have kept quiet about that in retrospect. But I just, I really did want to say a very sincere thank you. Um, one other game to talk about in the Premier Division is Shepton Mallet against Clevedon Town. Um, Clevedon, of course, going very, very well. Shepton... Very difficult side to beat, two Somerset sides. 
um, with a lot of recent history in the Premier Division. Another mm. good gate here, um, another three-figure gate, and a very close encounter, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. They've, um, yeah, as you say, they've uh, built up a little bit of a, not, not, not quite too far to call it a rivalry, but they've been, uh, yeah, playing each other quite recent, uh, quite a bit recently. Uh, and it was uh, Shepton who handed Cleveland their first league defeat of the campaign uh, ten, 10 days ago or so, I think it was. And uh, yeah, but Clevedon uh, getting the instant response that they wanted and uh, yeah, getting the 1-0 win themselves. And it was uh, a dramatic one at that. It was late, late winner, stoppage time uh, where the goal came, made it 1-0. And uh, obviously that, that proved to be enough. Uh, and it was Freddie King's free kick floated into the box and it was Sid Campbell who managed to head that home. And that was his uh, 50th goal for the club. So that's uh, a great, great moment for him. And obviously a great moment for, for the Seasiders who pinched all three points. So, uh, yeah, great stuff from Cleveland who win 1-0 away at Shepton. And now a message from our sponsor. Whatever the job, with over 25,000 products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect and conquer at Toolstation. Right then, Tom, we'll turn our attention to the first division and we'll kick things off with um, Brislington. Um, they took on your um, your side or down. Now, Brislington is still one of those sides that gets talked about in the shake-up um, for the promotion race in the uh, in the first division. And um, if it, it, it's the signs are that they are looking to finish this season strongly as they go into the Christmas period. Oh, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I think it's. I think we're going to touch on the, touch on the tables later, but there is a, yeah, I would say a four pack that are potentially pulling away a bit, and they did become the fourth team to to reach fifty points on the weekend. Uh, a four 0 win for them as well at home to odd down. They they are hitting their straps, aren't they? I think uh, Dean Griffiths putting them ahead after eight minutes, and uh, yeah, that was to be fair, that was um, all that separated the side for sides for much of the afternoon on Saturday. They did pull away late, but yeah, a four 0 win. Uh, in the end, and there was, uh, as I say, late goals from Jordan Williams, Jordan Scaddings, so the two Jordans, uh, and then also Lewis Dunn getting on the score sheet there. So, uh, Briz handing down a 4-0 defeat. Now, moving on to Canesham Town. And another difficult day at the office for Canesham Town, this time against Gillingham Town. And, um, well, a seven-goal thriller here, but it was a one-sided affair that with the away team going home the happier. Yeah, they ran out pretty comfortable winners in the end. And this was uh, now five from six in the league. They're, well, not sure they will be going under the radar for much longer if, uh, yeah, hold up hold up form like that. But yeah, 5-2 win for them uh, away at Canesham. And it was uh, Aaron Lane Laney doing the doing the bulk of the uh, the heavy lifting on Saturday. He managed to bag a hat-trick uh, in the big win. So that was uh, good stuff from him. Uh, and further goals from Josh Haskett and Jack Barham. So yeah, Gillingham winning 5-2 at Canesham. I think with a name like that, we're going to have mm-hmm. to get, we're going to have to resurrect name of the, of the week. <laughs> I know you love it. That was a good one. <laughs> um, well, anyway, anything Gillingham could do, um, Middlesoy Rovers said, hold my beer. Um, I must confess, because I was at Middlesoy only a week ago when they lost heavily to Portishead Town. Uh, when Canton Town going there this week, and um, of course we know about Wincanton's pedigree, we also know about their ambition, and I thought Middlesoy were going to be in for another difficult day at the office, but it didn't prove to be the case, did it, Tom? No, it didn't, and this was a yeah, real f- thrilling second half. Only one goal before half-time coming from uh, AC Mead, who put uh, Middlesoy one up, but yeah, from uh, from from a quiet uh, first period, as I say, it absolutely um, flew, off, uh, flew off the chains in the second. Liam Winter making it 2-0, pretty early on in the second half. And then when Cantor managing to, to come back into the game, Connor Williams, uh, and then a direct corner from Tom Jarvis. Uh, he managed to to get their second, but it was Middlesoy who who pulled away and, uh, yeah, um, uh, managed to, to mirror the uh, the result that uh, 
Gillingham got a 5-2 win in the end, as I say. So it was Charlie Lintel, uh, James Millard and Noah Brown all scoring uh, during the final 15 minutes. So they really did uh, yeah, finish with a plum, didn't they? A 5-2 win, uh, Middlesoy uh, over Wincanton. That probably was result of the day in the, in the, in the first division, you'd say. Yeah, and um, they had a special guest there. I think they had Tony Incenzo turned oh, up. Oh, blimey. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, royalty, isn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Uh, and our final game in the first division, um, Radstock Town. Well, a seven-goal thriller against Cribs Reserves. Of course, these two sides neck and neck in the table. Um, Cribs doing brilliantly well. Um, Radstock, you know, on a good run, but had a wobble a couple of weeks ago. Um, had lots of drama going into this game, and so it proved on the pitch, Tom. It did, yeah. Four free win for for Radstock over the Cribs reserves. Big game, and um, yeah, probably the the pick of the uh, the pick of the matches. Both sides, uh, as you say, battling for for second spot. This the the winner of this was always going to be in that position, and it was Radstock who uh, who who ended the afternoon in in second. Uh, four free win, um, and it was a yeah, it was a pretty tight one throughout. To be fair, wasn't it? I, uh, Liam Clayton scoring a couple for the away side, but it was Radstock who who managed to pull away another side who really uh, pulled away over the final 15 minutes, and uh, yeah, ended up on the on the right side. So good good stuff from the um, the miners who who give Chris Reserves a rare defeat. And and I know you wanted to do that game justice um, mm-hmm. in the bulletin, and mm. um, of course a good journalist has his contacts as do <laughs> I. And you came to me, and why wouldn't you? But a bad a bad journalist gets you the information you need after the deadline for the bulletin, so I apologise for that. And so just for the benefit of the tape, to quote a much-used phrase in the bill, um, the uh, Radstock goal scorers were Jack Pearson-Brown on 40 minutes, Corey Rawlings on 55 minutes, Kai Williamson on 82 minutes, and there was a an own goal um, on the 90-minute mark or around it. And I'd like to thank club photographer john newport for providing me with that um information john's a lovely man and uh, very helpful so um there we go anyway um having actually got the detail we'll get into the mm. the theater we'll get into the drama of it all and that brings me back to my old mate ray johnson so i started by talking to ray about that seven goal thriller and i asked him to talk us through the action from his perspective it was a game that i thought we controlled for large parts we we let some stupid goals in at stupid times, but I felt that we, we, we pretty much had the game at arm's length, mostly. I know we went 1-0 down, but we, we equalised pretty quickly, and it wasn't a game that I felt um, uncomfortable with. Um, I just felt that when, when we won, it was going to be a matter of time. It sounds like you were happy with the result, but how happy were you with the performance? Yeah, again, like the boys the boys after the game seemed pretty flat afterwards. Like They did their little victory song and all that nonsense that they, they all like to do these days, most teams do. But afterwards, it just seemed flat. I think the boys, were di- considering the dominance of the game, I think they were disappointed with the scoreline. And, you know, they needed me to remind them uh, that... They, I had to remind them, like, you've just beaten the team. You just took four points. In the last two games, you took four points off of the team that's above you in the league. Like, get over yourselves and start, like, start start remembering how to win, how to enjoy winning games of football again. Um, you know, it's not... They're, Winning games of football isn't easy to come by at our level. Yet um, you've got to like so enjoy them when they do. Like, do you know what I mean? So that's that's kind of the approach I had with them. Do, do you think that attitude has got something to do with the disappointment they must have felt with the defeats to Cadbury Heath and Wincanton? The Cadbury Heath game, we were uh, the, the goals we conceded were absolute shambles. We were terrible that game, and but again that happens. So, you know, we're dealing with humans here. We're not dealing with um, 
um, robots, um, bad people. We will have bad games, and that was just that was our one. That was our bad game where we were absolutely horrendous. The Wincanton game uh, was a bizarre set of circumstances. A game that we dominated early in the first half, uh, took the lead twice, um, and then it got um, descended into chaos when we had a delivery. Uh, we had two red cards. And uh, we had two red cards, and it actually changed the, the context of the game. So it was a shame, really, because it was a game we were dominating sincerely, but um, we found a way to lose that one. But, you know, we can't dwell on that. And we've, as of now, we've got all of our uh, people that were suspended. They're, they're made back from that. We had two sent off that day, and then the nine men. So um, they're both back now and available for us. So, you know, we're getting stronger as we go. Because although you, you've been on a fantastic run of form, um, obviously a lot of your games are very close, aren't they? Just you know, just a single goal in it. So I guess your players and yourself are exerting quite a huge amount of concentration and effort to sort of get you over the t- uh, over the line to get those three points game after game after game. Yeah, well, well, they are. Um, like they might be a bit silly sometimes, and like, I mean, you know, I can't fault them for their effort. So I, I genuinely can't fault them for their effort. They're, by and large, they're a really good bunch of lads that really want to try their hardest for everybody. Um, you know, but yeah, no, there are they are close games, but a lot of them are more more to do with the fact that we've made it hard for ourselves more than teams dominating us. Overall, though, if we look at your body of work over the first half of this season it feels like your project with radstock is well ahead of uh, well ahead of schedule uh, i mean is that is 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 that unfair or do you think that is that how you see it yeah look, i mean last season was really really hard work trying to get players in and trying to basically we spent the august trying to fulfill fixtures rather than actually put quality out there that's going to affect the game um we're a bit different now we've got a different set of players we've got different um players, all of them are buying into what we want them to do and the kind of um, unit that we're trying to create, the togetherness that we're trying to create, which I think buys us more points than actually our ability does and keep grinding it out. Look, I've said to you and I've, I've said many times to various people, we just want to, we're, we're not, we've not got any sort of targets, we've not got any this, that and the other. What all, all I wanted to do was take the season as deep as possible. Um, I wanted to make every game relevant so that it's easier to motivate the players. What I didn't want to do is get to like February with like us being in mid-table and there's nothing to play for and you're just trying to find ways to motivate players to win games but at the moment because we're in a position we're in. I think if you assume Potter's Ed will win the league, if you assume Braves are going to finish second, then it's a, I make it a bit of a four or five horse race between, to, for the remaining three playoff spots. That gives us that drive to keep every game relevant, you know, it makes my job easier in terms of motivation. So I guess, Ray, the, the flip side of being in a position in the league that keeps your players focused on being competitive in every game is that it's put something of a target on your back um, because, of course, you know, for so long in this season, you'd been second, you'd been the team pushing Portishead, you hadn't been dropping points where perhaps other teams had um so you know we talked a bit earlier about how close a lot of your games um have been you know is that adding to this attritional season you know are you now a scalp that other sides in the division want to beat yeah but i think that's more to do with the fact that my players are a bunch of um a bunch of idiots that have uh, probably annoyed a lot of teams this season with how they've reacted to some of the wins that they've had and on that basis we've basically done other teams now we're playing everybody for the second time 
I think their motivation levels are that much higher because I think they um, annoyed them slightly in the first game. So I think the, the scalp is more to to shut the boys up more than anything. And quite rightly so. If I was the managers of and the players of these other teams, I'd be in exactly the same position. So in terms of being a target, I would rather be the target than um, you know and be up there part of the conversation for the playoffs than, than mid-table just chilling out and waiting for the season to finish. Well, that is probably a good thing in that case that you've got Odd Down up next on Boxing Day. Obviously, that's a club you know well, but you haven't played them yet this season. So, based on what you've just said, you haven't um, you haven't annoyed them yet. Yeah, no, we've got them. We've we've done our research though. We've done our um, we've done our prep accordingly for them. We've had them watched, so we know what to expect. Hopefully, and um, we know it'll be a tough game. Um, but one, if if we're at it, if if our boys. Uh, if our boys, you know, are at it and, and we perform, then one we're confident of winning. Whether we do win or not, will be dependent on you know individual performances, referee decisions, the weather, you know, anything like anything could happen during the game. But you know, we we approach it in a positive mindset. Now that of course is the Boxing Day game, Correct. and I mean you've been involved in 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 the game for a long time, so Boxing Day games, I guess, are nothing new to you. But I mean, what what's it like to prepare for a game like this? Because I mean, the obvious thing is that it does call for quite some restraint on Christmas Day. Yeah, no, I, I as a manager, I, I I assume that all Boxing Day games are garbage. That sort of played out because everybody's half a stone to a stone heavier on the day than they would normally be in in normal match fitness because like who's not going to turn who's not going to like oh, I've got a game tomorrow I better not have those extra two or three potatoes and a bit of Christmas pudding like of course you're going to have all that and I'd encourage them to do it that's the, that's the thing because I've done it myself you just accept the games are not going to be as lively and as energetic as other games would be say on a night game or whatever just because people are people just are half a stone if not more heavier than their normal fighting weight. I mean, have you ever made it work to your advantage, though? Have you ever sort of, you know, booked all of the lads into a monastery for the night and sort of gone up against a fancied side and pulled a real shocker? To be honest, the only thing that keeps that going is the fact that the league end up putting, like, a local derby on a boxing day. So it does keep a little bit... It puts a lot on it, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It keeps it keeps it interesting. It keeps... Like, the lads will be sort of, like, turned on by it because, it, cause it, you know, it'll be a local derby, whether it's, you know, whoever that might be, you know? The chance of a bigger crowd could spur people on, so you know, like that that sort of thing, really. But um, in terms of Boxing Day, you know, you, it is what it is. You, you you get through it. You hope you win. You know, you can crack on with doing some more eating and get getting stuck into that bubble and squeak. Once you've got that game out of the way, you've got a couple of real tests, haven't you? Bradford Town and Wales City. Uh, I mean, um, both of these teams have proved very competitive this season. You know, a- again, I can see those te- those two matches being very close for you. Well, Bradford will be interesting. Uh, we haven't played we haven't um, we haven't played Bradford yet, so that that'll be an interesting game. Um, some of our lads live quite local and they're quite friendly with some of their players, so so that'd be quite, that'd be a good game. Really, that like, that'd be a good game to watch. That with like, I'd want to watch that if I if I was nothing to do with either side. Regarding the Wales side, I still put up there one of the when I was meant talking about the dark like one of the. Um, Playoff candidates that you know when it was like sort of five or six for the next for the next three spaces. I know they're down where they are, but with the games in hand, they're one of the they're the teams that I've identified as a as a dark horse that's going to put a late season push in to get in one of those places. Now, just before I let you go, Ray, there was an article a few weeks back in the non-league paper concerning the use of players suspended from steps one to four in steps five and six, and and also 
and vice versa. This is an old chestnut for you and I. We've discussed it um, before. Obviously, it's interesting that the issue still lingers. It's a loophole that um, the FA haven't chosen to close at this point. I mean, what's your take on the position? If it's a loophole that's open, I mean, I'm my my, my boys will tell you I, I'm big fans of, loop, of loopholes. I do love a loophole. Uh, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. If you're banned, you're banned. That should be the same across the board. Um, I also don't agree that you should be able to sign for multiple teams across various steps and even same steps in different leagues like Hellenic and uh, Western League and stuff. I don't think that that should be allowed either. From my per, uh, personally, you, you you sign for one club and anything underneath, and perhaps a junior team and lower than lower than the county league, perhaps. But I don't believe that that should. I don't believe that should be in play. However, it is, and would I use it? Absolutely. Can't let you go without saying Merry Christmas. Obviously, have, um, have, what, what, what have you asked um, Santa to bring you in his sack? Oh dear, I haven't asked for anything really. As long as I get a good bit of Christmas dinner, I'm happy. And I'd, I'd also like some new slippers with some hard soles. Excellent stuff, Ray. It's always a pleasure. Have a very Merry Christmas, and I'll um, look forward to speaking to you again in the new year. Looking ahead to the festive fixtures which is easier said than done, particularly mm-hmm. when you've got a cough. Um, right then, I don't think we're going to... Well, we have got a bit of action going on Saturday the 23rd of um, December. Um, we've also got a few um, um, Friday night games on um, uh, on the 22nd, actually. That Street Clevedon game could be uh, could mm. get a good a good gate for that. As to be fair, I think probably will be Millbrook and, and Saltash. Um, but I think we'll take... We'll focus on the traditional um, bumper... A day for, uh, for 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 football, which is the uh, the Derby Day, I guess we'd call it, um, Tuesday the twenty sixth of December. So, which which games caught your eye there, Tom? Yeah, I was going to say there's plenty of uh, local rivalries at this time of year, and I've, I've plumped for one. Uh, it's probably the uh, uh, the easy game to choose, so I apologise for that. But it is Falmouth versus Helston. You've got the the league leaders uh, travelling to take on the informed Falmouth, who we touched on earlier in our in our um, uh, roundup. And uh, yeah, a three o'clock kickoff. I would try and uh, make make a note of uh, the kickoff times because they they do vary on uh, on Boxing Day in particular. There's uh, there's all sorts going on. So I think this is a well, I, as far as I'm aware, the last I read it was a was a three o'clock kickoff. But yeah, both these sides averaging over over two points a game. Uh, Helston are top, but Falmouth played a couple less. So either that's because of obviously we've all had postponements, but uh, potential cup runs and stuff. So they're definitely in the uh, yeah definitely maybe see themselves as an equal to Halston despite their slightly lower league position. But yeah, they will be going uh, hammer and tong on uh, Boxing Day against one another. So that should be an absolute belter. It's always interesting to look down the list of derbies because, of course, just geographical proximity doesn't necessarily make um, a derby. And I, and I think probably in Bridgewater um, eyes, um, their games against Wellington wouldn't necessarily jump off the um, off the page. But um, I know from doing the podcast over the years, talking to Wellington and talking to Bridgewater United, um, this game takes on a, a life of its own. And Wellington have got an extraordinary record. Despite their lowly league campaigns of the last few seasons, they do have a fantastic record of taking points off of Bridgewater United. And it'll be fascinating to see whether they can do that again because their, their results have been positive. They've been strengthening their side. I've 
seen that on social media and um, I'm sure they'll be really up for this game. So I'm sure that will be competitive. That's a one o'clock kickoff on Tuesday, the 26th of December. We'll, uh, we'll take a look into the into the first division now, um, Tom, and um, what games um, what game have you picked out there? Plump for the league leaders again in this one. Um, it's Porter's head, but they take on Cribs Reserves. And I don't think, yeah, I mean, when you've got... Uh, you get to this time of the season. We're about halfway through, aren't we? In in the uh, in the first, and you've got first taking on uh, third. Both both flying. Both yeah, much more victories than defeats. I mean, Portshead have only lost once, so of course that's the case. But yeah, Cribs up in third. I think they'll give them a give them a give them a hell of a game. And I'm going to stay true to my roots and go with a, a Wiltshire derby between um, Warminster Town and Bradford Town. Last season, Warminster were the only Wiltshire side uh, in the Western League. So I think it, it's good that um, they've actually got some local opposition. and Hopefully that will generate a real um, derby atmosphere um, between Warminster and Bradford. That's a three o'clock kickoff. Um, now, before I roll over and start coughing in the corner, let's... Um, uh, let's have a look at the league tables. Do you want to take us through the um, t- the hot shots in the Premier Division, uh, and I'll um, I'll take us through the, uh, the 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 bottom ranks, Tom. Absolutely, yeah. So we start with uh, in the top of the Prem. We've got Helston, who are sitting pretty um, uh, with 41 points from 17 games. So that's a pretty good effort, and their goal difference is well and away at the best at the moment. They've got 52 in that uh, that category. That's um, yeah. Nearly double everybody else's, to be fair. So they are, yeah, that's definitely going to potentially play, play a role come the end of the season. Uh, you've then got Clevedon, who sits second. Uh, just that one solitary defeat recently to Shepton. Uh, but they've played 16, so that's one less than Helston, and they're two points behind. They're on 39. Uh, you've then got Bridgewater, uh, 16 games also, 12 wins also, and they're on 37 points. Uh, and then a little gap uh, building to uh, Buckland in fourth, played 17, they've got 31. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, uh, we've got Falmouth in uh, fifth, who've only played 14, so a couple in hand on everybody, uh, and they're on 30 points. So, uh, yeah, they've, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're still within a shout of uh, reaching those, those top few spots if they continue their uh, excellent form. And at the bottom, Grim looking for um, Millbrook, I'm afraid, 14 played, uh, 14 defeats, no points. Uh, Saltash, they're in 17th. Um, they've played 16, they've got eight points. Um, Oldland Abertonians, um, they're in 16th. They've played 16 and they've got nine points. And um, Wellington, they've played 18, so a few more than the teams below them. Um, they've got 11 points. And then just above them, uh, Welton Rovers, who only played 15 games. Of course, they were on the end of that thumping defeat at the weekend. So they're going to make sure that they can turn their ship around. Um, they've got 13 points on the board. Um, how about How are things looking at the top of the first division, Tom? How are things looking at the top of the first? We've got Portishead still leading the way. Um, yeah, nice little buffer they've managed to build, isn't it? So 23 games they've played. Uh, they've won 19 of those, just one defeat, and they've got 60 points. Uh, so they're going great guns at the moment. Uh, you've then got Radstock, obviously jumped up into, into second on Saturday afternoon, 24 games played, uh, and they're on 53 points. Uh, you've then got Cribs, who've dropped down into third. Uh, Cribs Reserves, that is, of course. Uh, 26 games they've played, so they've played the most of anybody uh, in the division. Uh, and they've got 52 points, so that's two a game. So that's pretty good going at this stage of the stage of the season. Uh, Brislington, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the fourth side to reach the 50-point mark. They did that on Saturday. Uh, they do have the best goal difference of 55, so uh, that might um, might come, come, come in handy later in the season. They've played 22. And then you've got Bitten and Wincanton, who uh, take up fifth and sixth spots. 
And at the bottom of the first division, Bishop Sutton, they're yet to record a win. And they've played 24 games. They've got two points. Uh, eight points ahead of them is Cheddar. They've played 23 matches. Uh, they've got 10 points. And then there's a six-point gap between them and Canesham Town in 20th. They've played 23 games. They've got five wins. They've got um, 16 points. And uh, Hengrove, just above them, played 23. They've got 19. And Warminster, just above them in 18th, played 20. They've got 21. Tom was talking about Gillingham's good form. Gillingham are up, at, up to 17th at the moment. They've played 21 games. They've got 22 points. There's still a five-point cushion between them and Shirehampton. Um, but it is interesting to see that, um, as we've said so many times, any team in the first division does seem genuinely capable of beating any other. Uh, now, as I limp towards the end of this <laughs> festive Christmas podcast, you know, really we should be sort of demob happy. I should be cracking jokes about eggnog and that type of thing. Um, I really just need to lie down. <laughs> you know, we finish in the time-honoured way of me asking you that um question that you're used to every week but i'm not mm -hmm. well i am going to ask you that but i'm actually going to ask you a, a different question now oh, blimey. because it's christmas so i wonder what, what have you asked for what oh, have you blimey. Asked santa claus to put in your stocking i've, I've got an, i've got a prepared answer when you ask me where the bulletin is but i'm not sure um nothing. i just want a genuine answer this i know our, but this, I... Is a, <laughs> this is a window into your soul tom i wish i had a, a good answer for you but i'm i don't yeah, i want a bad answer i'm a bit short of yeah I've, i have asked for some boxer shorts unfortunately i know that's pretty pretty dull but uh, you know demand what? and supply um uh, I honestly am struggling to to think of anything well, that's overly exciting. Boxer shorts, boxer you know, shorts I'm, would be I'm, the um, the I'm premium answer at the moment. A little bit of chocolate never goes uh, goes amiss at this time of year. So uh, yeah, that's um, that's probably where we are at the moment. Nothing nothing too spectacular, unfortunately. Probably best not to sort of speculate over chocolate boxer <laughs> shorts. <laughs> really. No, well, well, no, no. I mean, it's a family show at the end. Of it the is day. a family show. Um, right then, um, <laughs> this is the first year I think I've not asked for Lego. Oh, right. Um, um, I felt actually because the whole thing's gone far. You've got, every, got everything you need. <laughs> no, I haven't got everything. <laughs> <coughs> I'll tell you what I haven't got. I haven't got good health. That's why I, I was going to say, you need a few, yeah. And I think that, you know, without wishing to sound like some sort of right on chap, I think good health for my all my Rural. friends and family and That'd me at the top of that list would be yeah. lovely. Uh -huh. um, I do hope yeah, I get yeah. to enjoy Christmas Day because. Um, as much as going to nails in Tickenham was um, <laughs> fantastic on Saturday, I do, I do fear it's put my Christmas into serious jeopardy. But um, what can I say? Well, what what I will say is that this this episode of the talk. If actually no, right then. So Tom, we've been reviewing your excellent bulletin. Where I can thought you weren't going to ask me about the bulletin. No, I am. I am. Oh, you are. There we go. It's uh, go. it's still on the website. Toolstationleague.com. Uh, on the home page, if you scroll down a little bit and uh, it's on the left-hand side, you click on that one and you'll get that uh, every week. Well, yeah, usually every week. Obviously, around this time of year, it might be a little bit uh, because of the, the fixtures. I'm not 100% sure when it'll be out, but it, yeah, we will cover all the uh, all the games that happen over the uh, the festive period. Yes, and now as the wheels come firmly off this episode mm -hmm. of the podcast, this episode, this festive episode was brought to you, I think, by all of those... <laughs> commentators with a cough <laughs> all of those photographers with a sneeze all of those people involved in the media of our beautiful game even our non-league game um who battle through in adversity to try and get you the content that um you deserve so um 
Um, I don't know whether I've done them justice, but we got there in the end. I certainly couldn't have done it without Tom. You've done a crappy um, job. <laughs> I would love to say that, you know, come hell or high water, we'll bring you this type of nonsense every week. But actually, we're having next week off, aren't we, Tom? Because it's Christmas. I believe so. I believe we are. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully I will return refreshed and rejuvenated <laughs> after that. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. Look, Tom, Merry Christmas to you. And to you. Uh, thanks for all you do. And to all the listeners, um, this is all getting very Dickensian. So I'm going to sign off by saying Merry Christmas from everyone involved with the Tool Station Western League. We look forward to catching up with you on the next episode.